You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we are breaking the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds sexuality, unwanted pornography use, and betrayal trauma, and helping you embrace your God-given sexuality with courage, compassion, and connection. I'm your host, Chriselle Simons. Welcome to Breaking the Silence. Today, we are with Rachel Denton, and we are going to be answering a question in our Ask a Therapist series. Today, we're going to be answering a question about dating and how to know if you should move forward in a relationship when pornography is part of the equation. We're going to get more into that question in a moment, but first, I want to point you to two resources that you should just know about. The first is our form for submitting any questions for our Ask a Therapist series to give any feedback or um, comments or to share your story. We love hearing your stories. And then if you would like to ever share your story, you can submit that on there or reach out to me via Instagram. And we want to hear your stories. We want to share your stories and people just benefit from your stories. The other resource that I want to share with you today is our friends over at Relay. If you are listening to this, you or someone that you know has struggled with pornography and Relay is for you. It is a group-based recovery app developed by my friend Chandler, who had struggled with pornography for years on his own and finally found the courage to reach out to a group. And so he created this app so that you have access to a group, a community to help you in your recovery efforts all the time on your phone. And so with the, the link in our show notes, you can have a free trial to, to find the help and support that you need right now. With that, we're going to jump in. Rachel, go ahead and say hi to our listeners. Maybe take a second to just introduce yourself to anyone new joining us. Sure. So my name is Rachel Denton, and I am a licensed clinical social worker. I currently have a private practice where I work with clients one-on-one and also couples. And I really am enjoying the work. It's working really well for me right now. In the past though, I've worked at different agencies that primarily worked with pornography issues or any sort of sexual addiction issues. And I, I really learned a lot and grew a lot there. And then I also worked for a couple of years with Fight the New Drug and they're just Absolutely amazing and awesome, awesome people over there. So yeah, that's that's what I do. Rachel, you're just so great. <laughs> so thrilled to have you on. And I love recording with you because you have so much incredible wisdom, especially in this topic. And today we're going to be talking about something that we've touched on in the past. We've talked about like talking about pornography and dating. One of our episodes was I'm struggling with pornography. Should I even consider dating? which is a great episode, like way back in our archives. But today we're going to be talking about kind of digging a little bit deeper. And here's the question that was submitted. It said, if you're dating someone that is currently struggling with pornography and is taking the steps to recover, is there hope? Should I stay in the relationship? Should I run? If we were to get married, is this something that can be overcome or will I have to deal with this in the future forever? Okay. I know there were like five questions in there and we will unpack that. Don't worry. But I really love this question because first of all, it's a very honest and real question. So again, thank you so much for submitting your honest and real questions because when you ask honest questions, I feel like 
when you come from that vulnerable place where you're asking honest questions, that's when you can start really unpacking and uncovering good truth that may be hard, but will provide incredible growth for you and your partner. So bless you. And again, that's why we have this series so that we can do this. So let's start with the first question. Is there hope when dating someone who's struggling with pornography? And I think that this question could go for both the person dating someone struggling with pornography and the person who's struggling with pornography dating someone. What do you think, Rachel? Hmm. Yeah, this is this is a great question. And I think one that a lot of people have. With that, with this first part of the question that's asking, you know, this person I really like is I see them working hard and doing the things that they should be doing to work towards recovery. But is there hope? And and I, I'm assuming this question is asking, is there hope that this is something? Well, actually, I don't know. Like, I, I guess they could be asking, is this something that won't be part of our relationship? Is there hope for that? Or is there hope that we will figure out how to navigate this together? I... Uh, I, I think when we're looking at it, is there hope? Absolutely. I mean, is there is there hope that this will have a very positive outcome, whether it's you know in the long term relationship or if it leads to marriage? Absolutely. I think that pornography often is if if really used it correctly or used as an opportunity for growth, I think it can lead to tremendous amount of, of growth and change for both individual people, but also for them as a couple. So I would, I would definitely say there, there is a lot of hope. Oh, I love that. And as you were, as you're just describing that, I, I thought to myself, you know, I think there's so much hope because a, you're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and I think a lot of our parents' generation got blindsided by pornography because it wasn't talked about. Or if it was talked about, it was a one question, maybe. And then it was discovered later. And so I think I think there's so much hope because you're having these conversations now. And it sounds like, based on this, it sounds like it wasn't just like a one-time conversation. It's like he and you, or vice versa, she and you, like you are you're both being honest, hopefully, right? And I don't know, because I wasn't there in the conversations, but hopefully there's there's a level of honesty mm. and and you're seeing growth in each other through this, that that, that gives me a lot of hope. Mm. Whereas if it was just someone like, oh yeah, I've struggled with that in the past, but it's no big deal. I'm not struggling with it now. Like, and they just like brushed it off. Mm, that would be a little bit more of a, like a yellow, orange, maybe red flag. Right. <laughs> depending on depending on the situation, but whereas it sounds like there may be more honest discussions and like continual discussions and growth and that that gives me more hope for for this. Am, am I wrong there? Am I, am yeah, I, I yeah, absolutely. I, I know I'm not guessing here cuz we don't know everything, but Sure, yeah. And I think that when I think that when we have two people that have had conversations and dialogues about this, there are already leaps and bounds ahead of where someone may be, like you said, that has never talked about it in the relationship before. So I think you're reading this correctly where they're saying, uh, 
this is something that we are continuously talking about. And my assumption is it's something that they both have decided they don't want the relationship, that they both feel um, that, you know, that, that, that this isn't the type of relationship they ha- want to have where someone is struggling with, or like either of them are struggling with pornography. So, um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Oh, go ahead. I, well, I think that that's an important thing. I was just reading, I think it was like on a Facebook thing or maybe it was an Instagram story. I don't even remember where, but I was just reading about a woman who was sharing that her husband is masturbating and continues to masturbate. And she doesn't think that they should, but he thinks that they should. Mm. And I'm not like, <laughs> I can't, we're not talking about that discussion right now, but I wanted to bring that up because I think that in the dating relationship and in this, in this like beauty, if you can come to agreement <laughs> before you even get married, that's going right. to be really helpful right? as far as what you are okay with in your relationship and what you're not okay with when Absolutely. there's less commitment. Right. Because if you were to be married like this other couple, that's going to be really hard to reconcile if he's like, yeah, I'm totally good with masturbating in marriage. And the other one's like, no, I'm actually not okay with that. Like, that's going to be hard to reconcile in a point of conflict until that gets resolved. Right. Whereas in this dating relationship, as you're having these conversations of, like, what are we okay with? Are we okay with pornography? Are we okay with masturbating in a relationship? Mm -hmm. Like, that that's a really good thing to find out absolutely and to hopefully like have common beliefs moving forward because also what that does is a like you said it lets you figure out or decide one how do i feel about this issue and really dive deep on like why do i feel that way and allowing both people to do that and then coming together to talk about what their findings were. And if they are both on the same page, then talking about, okay, well, what do we want this to look like in our relationship? Like how, how can we be a team and a unit on this particular idea or topic? And then you maybe let someone does soul searching on the other hand and feels like, you know, I, I'm okay with this. I, I, think it's not really impacting me. I'm okay with being part of my relationship. Then it's really important that that, that that is talked about. Yeah. And well, I think what's beautiful about having these conversations in the dating relationship is then you can be like, am I good moving forward and committing further in this relationship, knowing this about you? Or like you can really choose. Right. As opposed to like in five years, you realize and you're just barely having the conversation. You've been married for four years now and you've got a kid and maybe a kid on the way and you're like, wait, what? Right. (laughs) Right. We don't agree. Right. I've been assuming for the last five years of our relationship that we agreed on this. And, right. and so, which again, that's not the end of the world if that's where you're at. But I'm just saying, if we're stepping back into that dating is such a beautiful and helpful thing to get, to make sure you are on the same team and that you are moving forward, fully knowing what the other person things and feels and beliefs. And of course, like people can change. So please keep having these conversations. Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I think that that, that alone, the fact that you're talking about it now, the fact that, yeah, you have the opportunity to really discover what the other person believes about sexuality and, and the different things there, their belief system around sexuality is so so beneficial and, and helpful moving forward. Yeah. And you know, it's it looking at this question and 
looking like moving on to the second parts of the question, which is basically this person's asking, should I stay or should I go? You know, if this is something this person's struggling with, I think that all of these questions aren't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, Oh, I would say that they're good questions to have, but I would also say there are better questions to be asking, Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily is this person struggling with pornography or is this not, but go delving more into, is this person trustworthy? And do I, do I trust that if this person did anything that breached our contract or our agreement, whether that's pornography or like, like anything you both decide together, do I, do I trust that this person is then going to be honest with me and, mm. and share this with me? I, I think that is a much, much more important question to ask than is this person looking at pornography or is this person not there? I've worked with a lot of people who have been on the, the other end of a pornography relationship and this idea of feeling betrayed in the relationship or feeling lied to is almost always more painful and more difficult to recover from than the pornography itself. And Mm -hmm. so that will be, yeah, like I said, that would be much more aligned with the questions I would be asking. Yeah. And I feel like the question, like asking, like, can I trust this person and asking more, maybe these like quality, like who this person really is, is really beneficial because I feel like I'm trying to think of how to, how I want to say this exactly, but often we, we learn to cope with things that happen in our lives in not great ways. And then Mm. we find ourselves as young adults and we're like, whoa, Mm. (laughs) not great, (laughs) not great. You know? And I, and, and so, but to judge someone just being like, oh, you struggle with pornography, we're done. Right. And that, that being the judge, like if you don't, if you haven't taken the time to maybe like totally understand or to see this person and maybe who they are, who they're becoming, maybe even why they turn to pornography, what initially, and you don't need to know everything, but as you, as you come to really know and understand them and allow them to know and understand you, right. Then you're going to be able to make that choice, not on just like on a surface level, action as opposed to who they really are. Yeah. I, I hope that was <laughs> I feel like I did not do that justice, but I I just I, I think I think that pornography gives us a re- okay, I'm going to say this and hopefully it comes out right. I think that the trial of pornography can either turn us to God or not. Right. And and what you're really looking for I mean, hopefully, I don't know everything about you. What I was looking for when I was dating someone was was someone who wasn't perfect because I finally came to terms with the reality that that probably <laughs> actually right. wasn't going to happen. But rather someone whose experiences in life had turned them to God and made them more trustworthy and more mm. humble and more meek and not perfect but headed in that direction. Right. And, and, and because that's what my experiences had done for me. Right. Right. Uh, and what I hope continue to do for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what I was really looking for. And, and had I just been like, 
like, oh, you've, you've struggled with pornography run. Like that would have stopped me from really connecting with incredible people. Hmm, Absolutely. I like what you said about looking at what are the, the character traits or the values that this person has rather than what's their way of coping. And, you know, I, I understand that pornography is not ideal for anyone as their way of coping. I mean, that is, I I would agree with anyone who, who said that, but what is so much more important is, yeah, it's just like, what is this person's relationship to this issue? And do I feel that this person's just in recovery because they want to please me or because they're afraid of what their ecclesiastical leader is going to say or their parents? Do I feel that this person is uh, a little conniving around this or maybe uh, hiding things or like hiding things from me for what, for any reason, do I feel this person's really anxious about this and feels a lot of shame and that's getting wrapped up in the way that they are experiencing this? Do I, do I think that this person, like if no one else existed on this planet and it was just this person, would they still want to change? So I, I that's think that's a beautiful that, question. I love yeah. that. <laughs> well, I, so I, because I think that those are things to be scanning for mm-hmm. because then it gives us that's the data that whether it's pornography or if it's something else this person's struggling with, you can then walk into the relationship with confidence that like this person's obviously not going to be perfect. And I also believe and trust that they will be honest with me that they, they, I, I think he used the word humble. They are humble in, as they're working through this, that there's, I, I can see their relationship with Christ growing or, you know, just, just questions like that will be really helpful. I think what also is really important to ask is, do I, you know, along with lines, do I trust this person? Is this person trustworthy? It's also, do I trust myself to be able to track if something is not going how I think it is like, or how it should be going. So I I think this is a really important question to ask because a lot of times, especially if someone's not being honest or is trying to hide things, what is the most damaging is the betrayal from this person. But I would also say the betrayal of self where it felt like, I don't know if I can trust myself. You know, I, I didn't pick up on this sooner or I ignored the signs and of, of untrustworthiness in this. And so what does that mean about me? So I think that that looking at that betrayal between the person and the other person who's using pornography is really important, but really looking at the betrayal of self. And so that would be the second half of the question or second half of how to answer this question, which is, I, I like, do I trust myself? Do I trust myself to be able to track and to be able to see clearly and if I do, then I feel fairly confident moving forward that even if this person now is not trustworthy, I do trust myself. And mm-hmm. that is that is equally as important. I really, wow, I love this so much, probably because <laughs> like I experienced quite a bit of betrayal trauma from my family of origin and then from a relationship that I was in as my family, as, as my dad's disclosure came out. And, and that really is what was so damaging for me is what Mm -hmm. you just highlighted is that I was like, I can't trust myself. Mm -hmm. And like, I allowed myself to get so hurt 
Mm-hmm. And and what helped me heal was coming back to and and committing to always, always trusting myself, always mm-hmm. act, always showing up authentically in relationships, as and and honestly in relationships. And that took a lot of work, a lot right. of work. And I really hope that people can figure that out. And I know you can <laughs> without the hurt that had to happen for me to figure out how to do that. But I, oh, it is so worth doing the work though, because Mm. when you can authentically show up and trust yourself and, and know who you are and own who you are and own your reactions and own your experience. Oh my goodness. Like the, the richness that is on that side and and that is in that kind of relationship is so beautiful and worth it because Mm. you're not trying to prove or put on a show but you're rather just showing up as you are and, and moving forward, trusting yourself. And Absolutely. I, I love that you went there because I also think that these questions that you're asking yourself, like the deeper questions of like, who is this person? Who are they like outside of just like the pornography, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. he views pornography, but who is he or who is right. she? I hope you're also asking that about yourself. Like, right. who are you? Like, where are you headed? what what struggles maybe keep you from heading that direction right because if it's not pornography i promise it's something else like mm. we all have we all have things and i again i'm not trying to minimize pornography pornography in my opinion it's my opinion is the worst like <laughs> not like the the worst but there's probably worse things but it's just it's evil it's it's vile it's not it's not great so I'm not trying to give people like, yeah, pornography is fine. No, that's not the message I'm trying to send. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that, and, and what it was talked about when I was working in addiction recovery is that we all have a DOC. Just because yours isn't cocaine, like, mm. what's yours, you know, right. like, or alcohol or whatever, like, what is your DOC? And that is like such a question. Like, what is your drug of choice? What is, what is your thing that you need to be working on right now right. too, right? Because I promise there's something. Always. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think along with what you're saying of doing the work, I think when there's pornography in the relationship, there's also a really rich opportunity for growth because a, a, a common dynamic that I see is that there is someone who's struggling with pornography and then there's someone who's not. And the person who's not generally is, it it can like really easily switch this into this dynamic where this person who's not struggling with or with pornography is like, honestly, I can never like, how do I say it? It's almost like they're on, they're now on top. Whether I really, I have stuff. Yeah, but it's not nearly as bad as this. And so you are constantly less than me to some extent. And I have the power here, buddy, because I am not the sinful one. You are. And that this person who's struggling with pornography is in this space of, it's like a one down position almost, where it's not this place where both people can show up and make requests and set boundaries with each other. Um, It becomes this dynamic of I, the person who's not struggling, can set all the boundaries. You have to do what I say because you're the one that betrayed me or you're the one that's doing this thing we agreed we wouldn't do. And therefore, I don't have to grow up 
Like I don't, I don't have to look at myself. You need to look at yourself. You need to change. So I think with, with this self growth and especially this person who's trying to decide, should I stay in this relationship or should I not? That would be a question I'd ask myself is like, hmm, is there this dynamic in our relationship where I'm kind of a one up in a one up position where I am the one that's setting the ground rules and this person has to do what I say in order for me to feel safe. I would ask, is there room for two people in here in this relationship? Can he or she be here and tell me like, I did not like it how you shut down towards me for a week after I told you about my last pornography relapse. Like I just, that's not working for me. So can we talk about something different? Like I, that is so important for the, for a successful relationship for both, for there to be space for both people. Beautifully said. And I love, 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 and want to repeat a million and a half times that if there is pornography in a relationship, that really is just an opportunity for both of you to grow and can be a really beautiful opportunity for both of you to grow. Right. Does it mean that it always is? Definitely not. There's definitely times where, yeah, you should run, <laughs> run for the hills and don't look back. And there are other times where you shouldn't, you should stay mm-hmm. and you should see it through. And just because you choose to stay today doesn't mean you have to stay in the future. Right. Yeah. But if you will both do the work and I love what you've said about being equal partners, like no matter what either of you are struggling with, there has to be room for both of you for, for you to be equal partners. Oh man. Amen to that. Oh, I love that so much because, because if there ever is that power dynamic, Oh, that is so halting for everyone's growth and so ouchy for everyone. Really. Even if you think you're the one who's up, like that's really going to suck. Yeah. (laughs) Long-term. Even yeah. short term, it's not great. Right. Oh, so beautifully said. Okay, this last this last little bit, I I really like this question, and I think we've talked about it in the past a little bit. But again, I think this is a good question, and maybe we'll even get a little bit deeper on like maybe what's a better question to ask as well. Yeah. And that is, if we were to get married, so if I was to commit to this person, is this something that can be overcome, or will I have to deal with this in the future forever? And I think we've touched on this a little bit with some of the things we've said. What what more do you have? I know you yeah. have. Yeah. Well, let me gather my thoughts here because I think, can it be overcome? I think what this person's asking is, is it possible for this person to stop? And like, honestly, that's tough to answer because I don't know this particular person. Can people eventually just stop? Yeah. I mean, I think that all behavior can change and if if that's something that that person's working towards. And I don't know if I would go into a relationship banking on that. Like, you know what, this person's really working on this. And I'm sure that in like just a year or maybe two, this is not going to be part of our relationship anymore. I would be hesitant to, to say, to, to go into a relationship with that assumption, just because I don't know, like it, it, that may or may not happen. The question I always go back to is if, whether or not this person changed, could I still, would I still choose this person? Mm -hmm. And if the answer to that is yes, you know, like even if this person struggles with pornography, our entire relationship, would I still choose them and choose who this person is and their values and their, 
their core beliefs and all of it? Do I choose all of this person? Then I think that that is something to me that's very hopeful and very that that signifies to me a, a really healthy and good relationship. But if the relationship's going in with the assumption like I think this person's going to probably stop. I mean, they told me they're trying to. Then that's that's a little dangerous territory. So I, I would but say it also it kind of sounds like you're putting sounds like you're putting all your chips on a behavioral as opposed right. to like in the deeper like who the person really is. Yeah. Well, and, when and the, I don't know if that even made any sense. Go ahead. Yeah, because I think with the second part of the question, well, I have to deal with this in the f- the future forever. Well, there's two parts I would say to deal with. One is dealing with the fact that this person is always or may always struggle with pornography. And that is out of our control. Like we we can't we can't choose or make this person behave in any way. But when we look at this question from the perspective of deal with this in the future forever, uh, with the lens of, well, I have to deal with what comes up in me every time this comes, every time this person struggles with pornography, that's a great question because the answer to that is like, well, that's up to you. Like that, that's up to you to figure out what your work around this looks like. And over time that will get easier. It won't feel as painful or as difficult as it does in the beginning. And because that, that is what we can control. I love that. I would also just like add the caveat as you do the work, it won't, right. it will get easier. Right. If you don't do the work, it will not get easier. And right. Be very painful every time. Well, I, I, and it will probably be painful every time anyway, but yeah. as you do the work, you will have the resources and the tools and the coping skills to show up in a very mature and beautiful way. And right. as you do the work, you're inviting your partner to also show up at a, at a deeper and more beautiful level. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that this could be something really helpful to put a pen in mm-hmm. and potentially do a whole other episode on of talking about what does do the work mean? Because I think that sometimes we talk about, yeah, doing the work or changing or growth. And it's like, but how, like, what does that look like? And so to be able to go more in depth with what that might look like, whether you're the person struggling or you're the partner to be able to go more in depth with that. Could be I love helpful. that. In fact, let's do, let's do, let's, let's definitely make that happen. And yeah. because I, it is kind of, it's kind of like trauma. Trauma gets thrown around a lot. Right. <laughs> the word trauma, which there is very real big T and little T trauma sure. in all of our lives. But it's also like, oh, today was traumatic. Right. Usually if you're saying that, you're like, okay, today was a little dramatic. <laughs> right. Right. It's usually what I say in my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So what, I, what I'm saying about the trauma thing is that I think this like doing the work or like can be made out as well like like, oh you just gotta do the work or I'm just doing the work or I'm meeting with my life coach or I'm meeting with my like you can even be meeting with a therapist or like whoever and feel like you're doing the work and maybe you're not so I think that this is a really important thing to talk about and maybe maybe in this episode for the sake of everyone so they're not like I just have to wait for the next episode (laughs) (laughs) like what would you define like maybe it's just very simply and we can, and we can jump in that a little bit deeper. Like, what do you mean do the work as you, yeah. as you work on yourself? What do you mean? Well, I would say it's two parts. One is that 
when I am dysregulated, that I feel that I have the skills to be able to regulate myself and that I don't get overwhelmed by my dysregulation. So those, those often are just skills that we learn, you know, learning how to recognize what does it look like when I'm dysregulated? What are, you know, what, like, what does it feel like in my body when I'm dysregulated? What urges do I have to do when I'm dysregulated? And then also when I'm, when I can recognize that I am not regulated, what do I go then to do to re to regulate? And so I, I would say that's the first part of doing the work. And then the second part is helping our, in the therapy world, we call this idea the window of tolerance. So it basically is that this window of what I can tolerate before I get like thrown out into dysregulation, we want that to get even bigger. So, you know, my partner hopefully eventually could tell me that they are struggling with pornography or they had relapse. And I would be able to say like, you know, that's, I can still feel frustrated, upset, activated, but I'm not dysregulated. I'm not going into my behaviors. I'm not shut down. I'm not like spun out into anxiety. I can handle it. And so it's, it's really looking at those two parts of, in my mind is what doing the work means. I think that you explained that so beautifully. And again, I want to jump into that more (laughs) because I think that that is so beautiful. So we will, we'll have an episode all about that. But I, I think that you also did a really good job at summarizing what doing the work actually Mm -hmm. can look like. And maybe even two steps, like step number one, start noticing when you're dysregulated. Right. Step number two, work on regulating. Right. (laughs) Work on gaining more skills to get back to being regulated. Right. And then what can we do to increase our tolerance? Stress mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I want everyone to hear that forever. <laughs> Just because it is that so often I feel like I hear people say, oh, well, I'm working on it. I, and sure. I'm like, okay, but like, you're still dysregulated a lot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, so if we can, let's work on this let's just work right. on the dysregulation piece and, right. and and focusing on on helping that get better helping you Absolutely. to show up better when right. you're activated oh beautiful beautiful okay is there anything else you want to share about this question about the dating relationship and whether or not someone should move forward hmm well this question of should I stay or should I go? I think that um, I would I would say to be more hesitant to go than I would to stay. And the reason I say that is because it sounds like this person who's struggling with pornography is is being relatively straightforward about it, or there's dialogue and conversations. And so I I guess what I'm trying to say is if there's a thought of like, you know what, maybe I can go and then I'll find someone else who's not struggling with pornography. That's, that might be possible, but in the end, there's still this missed opportunity for growth. And that person that you do find that's not struggling with pornography will absolutely be struggling with other things that 
also impact the relationship, maybe even just as great. And so really using this as a, as a time to say how, like, how can I squeeze every bit of juice out of this and really use this as a chance to help me and this partnership grow the, the areas where I would say it is good to maybe not stay is if there is a repetitive, like patterns of dishonesty, patterns of hiding patterns of half truths or just like, I guess I'm trying to say is this person's just generally not trustworthy. I would say that is a definite red light. You know, that would be something definitely to, to stop and to reconsider. But, you know, and then I think, I think with this, it's also important for every person to figure out what are my, what are my non-negotiables? And maybe for some people, it's like, honestly, pornography itself is just a non-negotiable. And I'm not going to get married till I find someone who's never had this issue. Okay. You know, then, then at least, you know, that's on your non-negotiable list. But if this feels like, you know, there are other things that are, that are more important to me on my, my stop sign list, then, then bringing those up. I think it's important to, to even write down what those are. I would also say something else that's important to keep in mind is, and this is going to sound kind of odd, but I think that having a level of distrust in a partner is good because if we have, and maybe not distrust, but having a level of like, I don't fully trust you is good because I don't know if anybody is ever perfectly trustworthy Mm. or is not going to disappoint us in some way. Or is going to yeah, do something that's not going to hurt us in the at some point. So I think it's important to have a little bit of a radar on for is this person behaving in a trustworthy way? Hmm. Because the problem is, is if we don't, then that's that is I, I think setting us up or someone up for potentially really not being in a great situation and, or it's not like creating this tension. I think that's important between the couple of I'm expecting you to stay trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, for, for both people to come up that way. So again, I don't want to like swing into the end of don't trust anyone. And that's not what I'm saying, but I think it's important to have this element of, is this person trustworthy and to be scanning for that and, and hopefully finding a person that like, when it's like, if I could go back through everything and look, how everything lines up, I see that everything lines up well. And that's what I'm I looking think, for. I think also, as you're describing that, I, for me, I was evaluating just like how I, how do, how do I approach that? And yeah. and I think the question is for me always is, is this person trustworthy? Right. Like, even now with my husband, right. right? Like, it's not like I was like, yep, he's trustworthy. Check. And I was just like, moving right. forward. Right? right. I didn't just like check the box. And I was like, sweet, let's go have kids and ride off in the sunset. Right. <laughs> but rather the question for me always is, is this, per- is, is my husband trustworthy? Mm. And, and continuing to be trustworthy. And continuing. And like, and what evidence do I see and again, maybe this comes from my background of where I got burned, <laughs> Sure, but, but it has been a very helpful thing for me because anytime something little has come up where I've been like, I have a question about this, we talk about it mm-hmm. and, and we learn so much about each other. 
mostly because I'm like, we got to talk about this so that I feel safe. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm booking it for the hills. Right. And, and, and I think what you just said is such a beautiful invitation always is, yeah. yes, even as you get more and more committed, you're still asking this question of, like, is he trustworthy? Am I trustworthy? Am I, mm-hmm. am I being honest? Right. And what ways am I not being honest? And and right. and allowing those opportunities where that question gets, you know, triggered or highlighted or however you imagine that, to to have conversations and to grow together. Right. Right. Yeah. I I I would add a caution. Please do. Because I think that it can be easy to allow our anxiety to run this. And what that looks like is very different than what I'm talking about. What that might look like is uh, I have this constant sense of distrust and I need to constantly either check in and ask questions or I need to, it's it's kind of like the fire alarm in my head is constantly going off. I, I think I think what is good is to be able to say, like, for example, if your fire alarm does go off in your house, most of us don't just like, evacuate like yeah <laughs> like grab our kids and go like usually we look around and say like well is there a fire and i i don't know we have a faulty smoke detector so sometimes it just goes off and it's super annoying but i'll like obviously look around and be like is there fire is there smoke no we're good turn off the fire alarm resume my day so it's kind of the same thing if i feel anxious about about is my partner trustworthy or not, being able to treat it like a fire alarm. I'd be like, ooh, I'm having that alarm going off in my head. Can I look around? Is there a reason for this? Is there, you know, is there like, is there potentially smoke or fire? And if so, I need to go address that. Or was just this uh, just a faulty alarm? And being able to really decipher and discern between those two. Oh, I, beautifully I, said. I love that so much because I've experienced that all the time. I'm yeah. like, wait. Is this just me freaking out because of X, Y, Z right. or is it actually smoke and fire? Oh, right. Right. Beautiful analogy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because yes, your anxiety will lie to you. <laughs> right. Because if we're, if we're running out of the house every time we think that there's a fire like, or like dishonesty or untrustworthiness, then, and and there's not like evidence or reason for that. I think that that will be very exhausting and be challenging for both people in the relationship. Oh, yeah. So it's really learning how to say like, maybe I just have a more sensitive fire alarm for whatever reason. I need to learn how to really tell when there's a fire or not. Yeah. Oh, beautifully said. Well, coming back to the beginning question, is there hope? There is so much hope. There's so much hope for who, whichever person you are in a relationship, whether you're the person struggling or you're the person who is in a relationship with someone they're struggling, there is so much hope for you. And I, I really hope that that's what this podcast does for you is it, it fills you with hope and provides you with real tools and stories and examples of how you can have that hope. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much, Rachel. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been such a beautiful conversation. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Break the silence and help us create a culture of courage and compassion by sharing what you learned today with someone you love. 
Help us reach more people by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or liking and leaving a comment on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue and educate on these tough issues and to create a healthier culture of sexuality. The opinions and views shared by the host or guests do not constitute as professional advice or services and do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10. We do not guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard in this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture. Keep breaking the silence.